Today's sermon text is from Mark chapter 2, verses 18 through 22. It says, Now John's disciples and the Pharisees were fasting, and people came and said to him, Why do John's disciples and the disciples of the Pharisees fast, but your disciples do not fast? And Jesus said to them, Can the wedding guests fast while the bridegroom is with them? As long as they have the bridegroom with them, they cannot fast. The days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them, and then they will fast in that day. No one sews a piece of unshrunk cloth on an old garment. If he does, the patch tears away from it, the new from the old, and a worse tear is made. And no one puts new wine into old wineskins. If he does, the wine will burst the skins, and the wine is destroyed, and so are the skins. But new wine is for fresh wineskins. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Alex. Good morning, everybody. My name is David. If we don't know each other, uh, I'm on staff here at City Church, and uh, it's my joy to greet you and to share with you God's Word. We're, um, we've been working through the book of Mark, and we're continuing to do that today. So this will be the last day uh, that we, we learn from the book of Mark before we start preaching on Christmas-specific passages. But today is uh, the first day of Advent, so thank you, Alex, for um, lighting the candle for us. Um, Advent, if you're not familiar with that word, means uh, the arrival of something new. You know, in Business Week, I don't know, was it 15 years ago, they said, uh, with the advent of the iPhone, our perception of phones have changed forever. Uh, With the advent of Jesus Christ, our perception of the world, of, uh, of our lives, of God has changed. And so, um, so now what we do is we, this is a time of anticipation as we get, bam, as we get excited about the advent of Jesus Christ, which we celebrate on Christmas day. So, um, anyway, this, this passage is not advent specific, but the Lord really ministered to my heart this week, um, in an advent anticipatory kind of way that I'm excited to share with you now. So, um, we're going to look at, uh, three different things. We'll look at tradition, and then we're going to look at renewal, and then we're going to look at celebration. Okay, so starting with tradition. Um, so when the uh, when the, our scene kind of opens here, it says, "And people came and said to him." So this was just a group of people. It wasn't the Pharisees or John's disciples specifically, but a group of people come up to Jesus and say, "Why? You know, the, these all all these folks are fasting. Why aren't you your guys fasting?" Okay, and so something that's really important for us to know about the Pharisees, and we, you know, if you've been in church for a long time or read through the Bible before, you've probably picked up on this. The Pharisees were notorious for having tons of traditions and rituals. Okay, so just, um, we're doing some um, some lexicon work today. Uh, we just did Advent. So the difference between a tradition and a ritual, the only real difference is a ritual is a, is a tradition that happens more frequently. Okay, so we traditionally... Decorate our house for Christmas. Part of my ritual is drinking coffee in the morning. Um, the Pharisees had tons of both, and um, and 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 they took ones that were that were started out really good, and they and they made them such a big deal to where they became oppressive for folks. You had to do this before your feet hit the floor. You had to do in the morning. You had to do this before you ate. You had to do this before you washed. You had to do this before you could greet somebody, and like all these things, tons and tons of traditions and rituals, to the point to where they became oppressive. Okay, so, um, and in this case, we're talking about fasting. Now, fasting um, was something that God does uh, mandate to the, uh, to the Israelites in the Old Testament around the Day of Atonement. 
And, uh, and so, so we'll, we'll look here for just a second about what, what was fasting all about and, and, how, and how does it uh, speak to this context, okay? So fasting, the Day of Atonement, we're atone, sins being atoned for, so we're, we're grieving our sins uh, before God. And so you're, you're fasting um, in this sort of time of grief. And so fasting in the Old Testament was always used either in extreme extenuating circumstances or in a time of grief. Never used ritually. Like on Tuesdays, we fast. Now, I know some of our noble clay guys will be like, hey, fasting's really good. You can do it this, you know, so often for your metabolism, whatever. That's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about fasting in a way of seeking the Lord, of, of looking to him in a very special way for our sustenance. And so, um, so the, the, the Pharisees, you know, we think of the word pious or piety often in a, uh, I know in like English, especially modern English, it's often used in sort of a negative context. It, 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 it does, it's not meant that way. It wasn't used that way in the Bible. Um, so, so piety, you know, being, being things that you're doing, religious things that you're doing that might be signs of godliness. And for the Pharisees, there had been sort of this disconnect between their piety and their actual godliness. They're actually knowing of the Lord. Their heart, their heart being connected to the Lord. And so fasting was something they were doing all the time. And, and they, were, they were trying to do it as a, uh, as a sign of their piety. It wasn't actually a representation of, and, and this is representative of so many of their traditions and rituals, it did not actually demonstrate a true heart for God. Um, it was more of a trying to earn God's love through the rituals, their own self-righteousness through the traditions. So they, what, what, what the Pharisees had done is they had disconnected the meaning behind the tradition and the actual act of the tradition. They had lost the heart behind what, what they were doing. They had lost the heart behind this. this it, it was both a tradition and a ritual. They did, it, they did it weekly. They also did it annually for different types of things. And, and, and had lost, they had lost the heart of God in it. You know... Um, on 4th of July, we do fireworks, right? I don't know if you guys have ever been to Washington, D.C. on 4th of July. I, I have once, and it was, it was visceral. I mean, the, uh, the, the fireworks show put on at the White House, the, 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 the buildings are shaking. Car alarms are going off. You're afraid that like, we're under siege. And, um, and there's a reason for that. Because the fireworks, the reason we do fireworks on the 4th of July is there to remind us of the bombs that were bursting in there. Right? If all you do is you approach 4th of July and you do the fireworks and you have fun and the, you know, not Twizzlers, what are those things called? Sparklers. Um, it's just fun and hot dogs. On July 5th, you won't, be, you won't be appreciating the independence that we have from foreign tyranny. And uh, the same is true with what the Pharisees had done in fasting. And I think as we now move into Advent, it's important for us to keep that in mind as we celebrate Christmas. Now, um, so we're talking about anticipation and building up anticipation toward Christmas, the day of the Advent of Jesus Christ. And a lot of us, we have traditions. Um, I, have, I have several in my family. Some of them are Jesus-related, and some of them are more kind of Jingle Bells-related, right? Uh, like, for instance, in my family, we do... Uh, there's not been a Christmas in my life where I haven't had uh, sausage balls on Sunday uh, on Christmas morning. 
Um, we've, Lena and I have enacted some new ones in our family uh, since, you know, she and I got married and now we're having kids. We, we get special pajamas uh, for, for uh, Christmas Eve and wear them on Christmas morning. Um, those are great things. And I hope we all do those things. I, I think, I believe that God designed us to, uh, to appreciate tradition and rituals. Um, I think that tradition and rituals give us a richness in life, right? A flavor. You know, I, you know, I mentioned one of the ones that for me is I get up early and I have coffee every morning. So no matter, no matter what happened the day before, no matter what's going to happen today, quiet time and coffee. And uh, there's no intrinsic meaning there. It just, it, it means something to me, right? Uh, the sausage balls mean something to me. And, uh, but the, the important thing for us here and, and what Jesus is he's, he's getting at here with the Pharisees is that the Pharisees had lost the meaning behind the tradition. And that's just important for us to hold in our minds and our hearts is we start to enact maybe the, the most tradition-filled month of the year for us as Christians, as, as Americans, where, we, where everyone seems to celebrate Christmas. Um, and I, I just, there's nothing wrong with the sausage balls and the pajamas, right? I think, that, I think sausage balls and pajamas are the glory of God. I think he appreciates that. Um, but it's important for us not to lose the meaning behind it. Okay, let's look at renewal. So Jesus gives us two different illusions here. One's the wineskins, one's the patch. Both of them have the same underlining message, and that is this. The gospel changes everything. He, the gospel, uh, you, you, you cannot just fit Jesus into your life. The Bible talks about re- renewal all the time. Um, not refurbishment, not repair, renewal. We're joining God as family on mission for the renewal of all things. We believe that God, when Jesus came, he began a mission of renewal on this work that he is, he is engaging us in. He is continuing to do that he will bring, bring to completion one day when he comes back. Um, and, and there's renewal that you and I get to experience right now when we experience him. Ezekiel 36 says, I will sprinkle clean water on you and you shall be clean. From all your uncleanliness, from all your idols, I will cleanse you. I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. Romans 12, 2, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. We get a new spirit, we get a new heart, and we get a new mind right now in Jesus Christ. Jesus changes everything. Did you know that you can make an idol out of a two-dimensional Jesus? You can take a caricature of Jesus and make an idol out of that. Now, what do I mean by idol? We talk about idols a lot. An idol is anything that you make an ultimate thing other than the one true God. Anything that you are serving, letting be a master in your life other than the one true God. And, and the word true there is really important because you can, you can try to fit Jesus into the schism of your life and it not be the real Jesus. I think this is part of what he's alluding to here with the, with the patch. No one sews a piece of unshrunk cloth on an old garment. If he does, the patch tears away from it. You can, you can actually take it, the idea of Jesus, you can come to church, you can sing the songs, you can even read the Bible, pray, and not have a relationship with the real Jesus. Um, and, and what will happen if you try to do that is, it says, and a worse tear is made. Why? Because there's a false sense of security. There's a false sense of salvation. 
gospel has to change everything. It has to change. We can't just fit them in. You can't just patch them on to the existing life you have. It changes, changes the way you think about your clothes, the way you change about your house, the way you think about your money, the way you think about your relationships, the way you think about how you spend time. It has to change everything. And I think this is, I mean, this is a huge problem, especially in the Bible Belt, right, where there's a lot of the cultural Christianity. I know that we, we have a little bit less of that here in this part of uh, in this part of the South, you know, downtown Atlanta, but, you know, in the burbs, kind of where I grew up, you see a lot of it. You know, folks that are, they'll come to FCA on Friday morning and then they're getting drunk and doing things that are unspeakable on Friday night. Um, it, it's, you know, it, it's cultural. That's a two-dimensional Jesus. And, and Jesus is telling us it will, it will actually make your life worse because it is a false God that cannot handle the wind when the wind blows. But he doesn't stop there. He gives us another illusion, the old wineskins. Same underlying message, but some other nuances. Let's look at it here for a moment. Okay, so if you've ever had a uh, good pair of leather shoes or a leather belt, you kind of get where he's going with this. Um, they're, uh, you, n- new leather is pliable, right? Um, it can stretch and, and contract with the cold and the heat and moisture. Uh, but old, really old, you know, maybe if you've been in an antique uh, antique shop, you've seen really old leather gets hard and brittle. And and um, so in this day and age, um, the, the wine was it was you know start, wine starts off as grape juice and you put it into a, a cast or you know jar or whatever it was they used and it begins to ferment and anything that ferments expands. And so what they would do is they would put the wine into a wine skin and new wine would continue to expand for a period of time. So if you put the new wine into a brittle, uh, unmalleable wineskin, it will burst and you will lose both the wine and the wineskin. The gospel is like new wine. The advent of Jesus and what he brought with him is like new wine. And it, and it permeates to all of our life. It permeates into all of our church. It's constantly expanding. And not just that, but it's also, it's fresh, it's delightful. <clears throat> and um, it, 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 just the whole, the whole notion of something new, it requires a new, uh, an, a new container. Uh, N.T. Wright says this about what Jesus is saying here. He says, when God is doing new things, we should join the party. Party. Not grumble because the new wine is threatening to burst our poor old bottles. A good deal of day-to-day Christian wisdom consists in sorting out the new from the old. So the, the day-to-day Christian wisdom, the new from the old. Christ is constantly expanding in our lives and in our church and in our city. So for us as a church, our church is 14-year-old. 14 years old, and that's something I was thinking about. Christ, where's the party going at City Church? Where's the party going? Where are you trying to expand and do something new? Where are you trying to do expand and do something new in my life? We have to let them expand into our lives. We cannot, this is, what the, this is where the Pharisees were, you know, were real hard on the Pharisees. This is where they were really, they really messed up, is they had created all these rituals and traditions. They had all these structures and they could not contain Jesus in them. And they were not, they were not willing to be pliable. We, in our, in our personal lives, in our church, we have to be pliable to what Jesus is doing new and see where he's taking the party. 
Okay? Um, so what, what, is that, what might that look like? What might Jesus expanding in your life look like? Um, you know, I, I know for me, um, at one point it was getting a mentor, having someone disciple me. Maybe it's time for you to be, let someone into your life and disciple you. Maybe, it, maybe you've done that already, but you haven't started discipling someone else. Maybe it's time to start sharing your testimony. Maybe Christ has moved in your life and he wants to expand out from you into other people's lives. Maybe, maybe it's time we start evangelizing in a different way, sharing the gospel, sharing the good news of Christ in a different way, in a different place, in a different neighborhood. Maybe it's time to start a prayer ministry. Maybe it's time to start studying the Bible with your kids or your spouse. Maybe it's time to start pursuing someone that hurts you. It was time to forgive somebody. Uh, I know for me, uh, Christ expanding into my life. Um, you know, I've, I've shared with you guys a few times before about my mom passed away when I was uh, in high school. Part of Christ's expanding in my life meant uh, starting to grieve. Uh, my, my heart was hardened. I was angry. And the anger subsided, but the hardened, hardness of heart did not. And Christ softened my heart over time. To where 12, 13 years after her passing, I began to grieve in a new way, in a healthy way that I, I was not I was not able to do before because I had not let him into those places of my heart. Maybe it's time to grieve. We have to let we have to let Christ expand. Where's he taking the party? Maybe it's time to give up some stuff. The way we soothe ourselves. Um Alcohol, tobacco, reality television, checking our stock prices and our re, uh, retirement balances. <clears throat> Christ is a new wine, and he's expanding. Where's he expanding in your life? Where might he be expanding in your life this Advent season? Now let's look at celebration. At the beginning of the passage, the... These folks are coming to, to Jesus and they're, they're asking about fasting. And he immediately turns to a wedding. And there's a couple, there's a couple things that are just super profound about this. One is um, the fast. The fast uh, for in the Jewish culture, uh, one of their big main fasts was they were, they were mourning the destruction of the temple by King Nebuchadnezzar. And so, even in the Jewish tradition and in the ritualisticness of their fasting, there was definitely a sense of sadness and mourning that went with it. And Jesus is giving us a clear antithesis to that of joy and celebration. You know, we we, we take you know, weddings like they're expensive here, but we don't take them nearly as seriously as they did in Eastern culture and some Eastern cultures today. And and and, and this time period, a, a wedding of a new couple, first time marriage, was seven days long. If it was your second wedding, maybe your widow or widow or three days. Could you imagine blocking off a week? <laughs> for a, I mean, celebration was a big deal. And so he's juxtaposing here the grievousness of the fast. And he's saying, no, 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 no. This is, a, this is wedding time. One of the fundamental differences about Christianity, the Christian faith, is, the, is, is this essence of joy and celebration. 
okay? If you, if you travel, especially to other countries where there is a uh, um, um, theocracy, uh, where, where religion sort of leads the government, and th- th- you, you'll see this. When you, if you go, you know, I mentioned a couple weeks ago, I was, just, I was recently in Nepal, and I was at these different um, Buddhist temples and monasteries where they're, they're, they're worshiping uh, ancestors, Buddha, uh, various Hindu gods. It's all somber, dark, smoke, you know. And, and Jesus is saying, no, 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 it's wedding time. We're fired up. We're, bring out the tambourines and the dancing. Bring out the new wine. And the other thing that's really remarkable here where he talks about the wedding is he says, the wedding guests cannot fast while the bridegroom is here. Now, he is making it very clear he is the bridegroom. And in the Old Testament, the Torah, the law that they had, there was only one entity that was referred to as a husband, and it was not the coming Messiah. It was God himself, Yahweh. Here, Jesus is saying, and I, I'm sure they didn't quite get this as, at that moment here, but here is making very clear he is Yahweh. You know, we, we, one of the terms that we hear a lot in our Christmas uh, songs is Emmanuel, which literally means God with us. God with us in Jesus Christ. That is a cause for great celebration. Sausage balls, new pajamas, you know, jingle bells, bring it out. So profound, so joyous, we must celebrate. Psalm 32, 11, shout for joy all you upright in heart. James 1, 2, count it all joy, my brothers. When you meet trials of various kinds, Philippians 4, 7, the peace of God which surpasses all understanding. So this week, we're, we're, our candle is hope. So there's, there's four candles to each represent something different, something for us to meditate on this week of Advent. This week, it's hope. And, um, you know, a lot of us, uh, we just had Thanksgiving. And there's something about the holidays. You know, I, I was talking to a, a counselor, a friend of mine. And they were saying it's like, um, you, 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 it's the worst time of the year to find a new therapist because everyone's trying to get in with a therapist before they have time with their family and everyone's trying to get in with a therapist after they've been with their family. And, and uh, uh, you know, so for a lot of us, we just had Thanksgiving and I hope it was delightful for you. But for a lot of us, it, it, it exposes a lot of painful family dynamics Maybe you're reminded of someone that's not there. Maybe you're reminded of someone, um, of, of being alone. You don't have someone with you. Maybe you're the only one there without kids. Maybe you're the only one there that's not married. Maybe you're the only one there uh, who understands what it's like to be this old. It can be really hard. And Christmas is coming, and so that bring, kind of a lot of that hardship comes back. You know, you got a month later, you got another, another uh, big holiday. You got you to walk up to all that stuff again. And, uh, you know, so it's like, okay, David, I hear you talking about the joy, but I'm not really feeling it right now. And what I want to say is the other side of the coin to joy is hope. When you go to a wedding, you're fired up for this couple, you're excited, you're dancing, you're rejoicing, but you don't just have joy for them, you have hope, right? You have hope that it, you have hope. Well, I mean, in this culture, hope that it works out. You have hope that, that they have a, a joyous re- relationship, that they grow in love, that they that they are a a, a more um, impactful people by being together, that they grow deeper in love for each other. There's both joy and hope that go together. And so, 
even if you're, even if last week was a hard week and Christmas is coming and you know it's going to be tough, or maybe, maybe there's just something going on in your life. Maybe you're struggling with anxiety or depression. Maybe this financial market or interest rates have been hard on you. Uh, maybe you're dealing with chronic pain and you're not feeling like dancing right now. There's hope. Why? Because Jesus came. He came and he offers us a renewed heart. The power of Jesus came when he was born in the manger and he is at work right now. And we have hope in that. We have hope in the fact that that there is one God, he is all-powerful, and he loves you. And whatever he does not do for us right now, he will bring into completion one day. And we can have hope in that. So as as we venture out now into this Christmas season and we enjoy our traditions, let's remember what they're about. But let's remember why we're celebrating. And may we find joy and hope in what we are celebrating. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we're so grateful for the fact that you did come down. That you condescended. That you came off your throne. That you left all the comforts, all of the peace and intimacy, communion, whatever it's like up there. It's got to be better than down here. Um, You left all that to come down and have relationship with us, to be known better by us, and to give us such joy, such hope, Lord. Lord, we confess we, uh, our lives are complicated, our hearts are complicated, we've all got a story, we're working through it, Lord. We pray that this Advent season, Lord, that you would, you would expand into our lives and our church. Lord, I pray that we would experience hope. If we have grief, would we grieve with hope? And in the places where you are currently working, that we would find joy in the midst of our trials. We ask for those and all in your name. Amen. And now we respond to God's word through confession. I just want to give you a moment before we do. Uh, David talked about making idols, right? Things that we fashion, that we trust in, that, is, that are not God. And I'm always reminded.